This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. How would you answer Jesus' question to his disciples, Who do you say I am? On today's program, Dr. Nate Roosh explores this question and the close relationship God desires with us. He is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Let's join Dr. Nate Roosh right now. Today's title, Jesus is my friend. Now the word friend, if Jesus is my friend, is a unique word in 2018 in the era of scientific social changes, things going on around. A friend means a lot of different things in different contexts. I mean, you got Facebook friends. How many have Facebook friends? So what is a Facebook friend? You have maybe have hundreds or perhaps thousands of Facebook friends or people that are social media friends. Doesn't mean that every one of them has the same status with you, right? You might have said yes to a friend uh, request at one point or other and you let them in just a little bit because, hey, I kinda know you or we might be related somehow but we might not know each other. And then you might have your very best friends So you are selective about who you trust with certain parts of your information. How many know what I'm talking about? Friendship has to do with trust. It has to do with who we drop our guard with and to what level we drop our guard. And and friendship can have an impact on us. And listen, I want you to know that today that a friend is someone you can be yourself with when they're around. Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for a time of adversity. Friendship matters. In John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this. He says, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you didn't choose me. I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. I want you to notice the language that Jesus uses. He says that you are my friends. You didn't choose me, I chose you. It's pretty cool. And I want you to know Jesus didn't merely want followers or employees or worshipers, that's not why he came to the earth. He wasn't trying to get this collective group of people that would just give offerings. What Jesus wanted is he wanted friends. He wanted friendship with us, and Jesus makes us worthy friends and worthy of friendship. It's not about the rules, the religious expectations that could hide the fact that Jesus is a friend. Jody and uh, our Moms Connect group talked about friendship earlier this fall, and uh, they were talking about a circle of friendships. You can put your, your friendships all in about five different categories, if you will. And so the first one is intimate friends, okay? And intimate friends are like the really closest forever friends. They know you, you know them for a lifetime. Most of us, if we're blessed, We'll get one or two intimate, truly intimate friends in a lifetime. And some of us are like, I need 10 intimate friends. Impossible. Okay? Your heart's not that big. 
okay? So intimate friends take some time, all right? Then outside of that, we'll just call this next circle friends, okay? And I'll describe this type of friendship. This type of friendship for friends is more the people that are with you, no matter what season of life you go, they kind of transcend the, the season changes of your life. Uh, when I was single and I played basketball all the time, I had a bunch of buddies. Then I got married. And when I got married, I wasn't playing basketball as much. Only a few of those friends transitioned to still being my friends on the married side, okay? Then we had kids, okay? And we had new friends and, and different friends. But once we got to three kids and we were outnumbered, we weren't asked over to people's houses anymore, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> there are only a few friends that stayed with us through that phase, right? Okay, so these are really good, deep friendships. They're, they're important friendships. Friendships that know you, you don't have to start over every time you talk to them. They're with you through the seasons of life and the changes that you have, okay? Then the next circle is the mutual interest friendships. Mutual interest friendships are friendships that are just based on things you do together and the friendship's there as long as that activity is there. So. Uh, parents of kids that are on uh, ball teams and sports teams. And so you're going to practice, taking your kids there, and uh, you get to kind of have a community of friendship with the other parents on the team. But as soon as the season of the sport is over, you're not hanging out with them anymore. Why? Because there's a mutual interest friendship. Some of the friends that you'll have over time are good friends. You don't have to think they're bad people. They, aren't just, they just don't make their way into a, an inner circle of friendship. They're just mutual interest friendships, okay? Now, I'm gonna try to make sure I get the spelling right. The next circle is the acquaintance circle. Now, the acquaintance circle is just, you, you got friends, people you know. You know their face, you know their name. You might know a little bit about them. You might want to a to an event together, there's enough that you can pick up, hey, what's going on? And there's some form of a friendship there, but you're not seeing them all the time. We have lots of acquaintances in our life, lots of people that we'll know. Then the next circle, this is the last one, is just gonna call it the stranger. Not in a negative way, but they're just people that are faces, but we don't know them yet. And we have lots of those in our lives. We'll bounce into them. If you travel, there's strangers that are sitting next to you in the plane, in the seat next to you. You might get to know them for a moment, uh, but you forget their name before you even get off the plane. Um, but strangers are, are a part of life. Now, this is what I want you to catch. Every relationship, every person in your life can fall into any one of these categories. The friendships that you have and the people that you know, and there are different expectations that we have for people in each of those circles. The challenge that we run into in our own emotional, mental world, and we have an expectation because in each level, we have different expectations for each other. Those expectations tell us whether or not we're okay. And some people have an emotional letdown because we have really high expectations of of people as if they're really close friends, but they don't have us in the friendship category. They have us either in mutual interest or acquaintance category. 
And so we have higher expectations of them than they have of us. And when they don't meet our expectations, we're disappointed in them. And so there's a loss. Now, our founding pastor of the church, Mark Daniels, used to say that if you want to be disappointed less often, lower your expectations. But the truth is, in, relation, in human relations, this is true in your family. This is true with people that you know. If you guys aren't both on the same page here, you could be tugging a war on somebody, trying to pull them into something that they don't see that friendship at the same level. And I think it's okay. You can be okay to let it go. Be okay to, to, to let them be where it is. And sometimes we wish they were closer to us than they are, but we try to force the issue and it destroys everything. So I want to just challenge you to consider in your friendships where you're at. Now, now the, the, the biggest thing that I want you to consider right now is, is it takes time and you, everyone starts out here and you go to this. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean everything ends up in the intimate, but everything starts outside and it moves its way in. If this church I'm really interested in, all the people of our church moving closer in their friendships. I'm big into a phrase I call redwood faith. That's a, a, a metaphor of the redwood forest out in California where these big, huge trees grow really tall and the root system is only eight to 10 feet deep, but they, they stay together because the root systems are interconnected. It's really a big deal for me to see people move from strangers in when you come to our church. But let's be honest, you're not gonna grow closer to other people in the church context just by sitting in a chair on Sunday and listening to your pastor yell at you. That's not helping you. So there has to be other places for you to develop friendship than just in the attendance of a service. That's why you need to find places where you have shared experience. When you wanna move from one ring to the other, it requires time together, conversation, shared experiences. This is one of the reasons that I challenge people. If you wanna to get to know people at our church, volunteer to serve in some area. You're like, oh, I don't know how to do that. I don't wanna do that. I don't know anybody. That's the point. You don't know anybody, so you should get involved in serving. That's why we challenge people to go through starting point. And in starting point, we make available all kinds of opportunities for you to be involved and serve. But if you can imagine if you're serving in the lobbies or you're serving in our nursery or you're helping out in one way or another, now you're serving next to people. The first week, the persons that you are serving with are strangers to you. On the third week, you're getting to know each other better. And so we're challenging people to learn to grow in their relationship and move this way. Some relationships will remain at certain areas and unless you do something to help it move closer. You have a responsibility and I have a responsibility to move closer. Now let me ask you a question. After I've talked about all your friendships, how many of you thought through some of your friends and where they're at? You thought through, okay. Now let me ask you this question. Where do you have Jesus? Is he the type of friend that you kinda know from a distance? Is he a mutual interest friend that as long as you're around some other Christians you go to church, you'll talk to him? Is he somebody that's moving in closer? Where do you have Jesus? We can overcome our barriers to friendship with Jesus, but we can't do it without effort. 
We need to move towards them. Our own idealism, our lack of transparency, our lack of trust, our shame and embarrassment, our selfishness, our self-centeredness. And if we're not careful, we could be treating Jesus like a Facebook friend. We want the intimacy that his relationship can provide us, but we only give him the transparency we give to Facebook friends. We can move closer to Jesus if we intentionally do that. Now here's the good news. Jesus already has showed us how he's moving towards us. He gives us a pathway. So I wanna give you just four quick things how Jesus shows us what a good friend looks like. The first one is this. He sacrificed his life before we became his friend. This is good news for you and me. He actually sacrificed his life first. John 15, 13, Jesus said, there is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. He literally died on the cross for his friends. They didn't deserve it. There were people worldwide that didn't deserve it. There are people, you might be thinking right now, I don't deserve it. But the truth is, this is a friend that actually died for you. He loved you first. Before you accepted his friend request, he loved you. Have you ever had a friend pay for your meal? How did it feel? Pretty amazing, right? I've gone through the drive-thru and somebody has paid for my Starbucks. And I shunned it in Jesus' name. I was like, yeah. There's something really cool if somebody does something for you. Jesus shows true friendship when he did this. 1 John 4, 10, this is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. The very first step of friendship with Jesus is acknowledging what he did for us. Listen, if you wanna be friends with Jesus, you need to recognize he's already made steps toward you. He, he, he went first. He loved you first. He cared for you first. And how many know, none of us are perfect. But he still took a step. While we were still sinners, Romans 5 eight says, Christ died for us. He took the first step. So if you're sitting there going, I don't know if Jesus wants to be my friend. And he already made the move. He's making moves on you. So get rid of the lie and acknowledge that Jesus actually wants to be your friend. Religion is spelled D-O. Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Jesus went the full route, not to get us to works, but he did the whole thing for us. Second thing, how Jesus shows us what a good friend looks like is he really gets you. He really gets you. How many know there's a difference between people that get you and people that don't get you? He really gets you. And he gets you not only for your good things, but also for those things which you are embarrassed about and won't tell anybody. Hebrews 4, this high priest, Jesus, of ours, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. I love this. Not only 
did he go first and go to the cross. He experienced what we experienced so he would understand us. See, God isn't out there and only understanding perfect people. He actually understands people of every type and every experience. He went through so many things that he's not ashamed to be your friend. Jesus was abandoned by his family. He was mocked by his hometown, had close friends and family who were killed, sweated drops of blood and anguish uh, because he was going to be betrayed. And he was betrayed by people on his inner circle. And he was falsely accused and judged and psychologically tormented and emotionally and physically abused. He was publicly humiliated, received capital punishment as an innocent man. Listen, I'm telling you, this guy has gone through it. And because he went through it, he was willing to identify with anybody and everybody. Matthew eleven nineteen. This is the Son of Man, on the other hand. These are people talking about Jesus. Uh, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. He was accused of identifying with people that nobody should identify if you're a religious person. This is Jesus. He identifies with people. And here's the hope. Because he's on the throne and he's gone through humiliation, he's gone through things that should have caused him bitterness. Because he's there, when we hit our junk, frustration in your friendships, relational frustrations with your boss, your, uh, the, the peer group that you're in, or the family member that's disappointed you. When you hit that deficit, and you're like, why am I here again? Why am I going through this again? Why am I finding myself insecure again? Why am I in a place where I'm, I'm angry when I think of this person's face? When you hit that spot, which I know nobody here ever hit, when you hit that spot, this is when you can go to Jesus who is on the throne and he gets you. And he gets you so good that he says, he looks down at you and he goes, I understand that. Now bring that to me. And as you bring it to me, I'm going to give you how I walk through this pain. Here's how I deal with rejection and still have my inner self together. Here's how I can love even though I've been hurt. Many friendships, we, we stop loving other people because we've been hurt. And in the past, we've got bitterness inside of us. Well, he understands how to be hurt but not harbor bitterness. See, relationships move as fast as our forgiveness. Nothing slows us down like a bitter past. And Jesus knows how to handle that. He's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And he could be people's friends without being sucked into their sin. I think that's an important point to make today. We live in a world that is all over the map when it comes to what is right and what is wrong. Hasn't it gotten kind of crazy? And so if we're going to build friendships with people that are around us and we're to be salt and light, we're to be salty, if you will, to the world that's around us, sometimes we're like, well, I can't be around people that are living wrong. And I, I would challenge you in a good way. That's probably good if you feel like you're weak. Be careful about where your weaknesses are. Don't go hang out with people. You know, if you're an alcoholic, don't go minister to people in the bar. 
Probably not a good idea, right? But on the other hand, we are to be in the world but not of the world. So how do we navigate that? Listen, if you are taking every friendship and relationship you have in your life back to Jesus, he knows how to help you stay pure so that you're not stained by the things that you're around and you don't give in to that. If you, and if you do, you're gonna have a tug of war where the enemy tries to pull at your, your inner desires, your own temptations, the scripture talks about. But when you're in that moment, you get to choose between the temptation and friendship with Jesus. You choose Jesus, Jesus will either help you move away from that person or he'll give you the courage and the strength to bring his love to those people without joining their sin. Jesus is your key because he gets you. Third, what Jesus has, he shares with his friends. This is one of the coolest parts about Jesus. Whatever's in him, he's not keeping it to himself. He's sharing it with his friends. Talking to his disciples in chapter 15 of John, he says, now you are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father told me. I love this because all of the promises that are in the scripture, all of the hope, all of the future, I mean, everything from heaven to present tense healing to guidance of the spirit to everything about the fruits of the spirit, the ability to have discernment with the life decisions that we have, to be good stewards of all the resources that he gives. Everything that is promised in the scripture can be found through Jesus. Why? Because Jesus isn't gonna withhold it from you. He shares it with his friends. And the more you know him, the more you and I follow him, the more he loves to pour out wisdom on us. In fact, there are times when you can say one of the names of Jesus could be wisdom, for example. You're like, oh, how, why would you say that, Pastor Nate? Well, isn't God wisdom? I want wisdom from him. But if you read the Proverbs and you see in the book of Proverbs, every time that the word wisdom is, is listed in there and you were to take out the word wisdom and put in the word Jesus, you'll discover Jesus is in the streets calling out for you. Jesus is the one that will help you. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is willing and ready to share with you everything that he's got. He's not holding it back. He wants you to have it all. There are no secrets with him. And friends, there is an open door before us as friends of Jesus. It's a doorway to life-giving knowledge of the Father, to revelation and prophetic vision that will transform the way we think, feel, and act. And friendship with Jesus is access to heaven on earth. Let me say it again. Friendship with Jesus is access to heaven on earth. If you want what's in heaven, you gotta get it through Jesus. That's where it comes from. That's why your friendship matters with him. That's where it comes from. The fourth thing and the final thing is this. He expects the best from us. He expects the best. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command. Now that can sound harsh and you know, can sound like, well, you gotta, you gotta obey. And yes, we do need to obey and obedience is a key to friendship with him. But Jesus looks at us and he knows as his sons and his daughters that he's got a design for our life. He wants you to win. He doesn't want you to, to fail. He wants the best things. Even if you've got a string of losses in your life, as he looks from this point into your future, he wants you to win. 
But he also knows that in order for you to win, you need to live up to his vision for your life. There are some appetites, some practices, some habits that we get in our life that live below the level of his vision for our life. And if we can learn to obey him, and that may include not doing some things and doing other things instead, and we can learn to trust his voice over our appetite, we can discover that Jesus helps us then live up to the vision for his life. Obedience is the gap between those two things. And so he looks at us, and he sees us, and I want you to know, Jesus is not our partner in crime. If we're doing things that we ought not be doing, he's not going to go in there and go, oh, boo-boo, it's okay, keep doing it. He's going to provoke you, challenge you, bother you. He's going to stir you up until you live up to what he's called you to be. He's not pointing the finger at you with a big bat in his hand. He's the guy that's in the stands or he's the coach on the field with the whistle in his mouth saying, you can do this. And when you don't live up to what he's calling you to do, if in that moment you feel like you've screwed up or you've blown it, then this is the moment you turn back to Jesus and his grace is sufficient for you. But if you don't turn to Jesus, and you don't get his grace, then you get the consequences of sin. And that's why he says, if you obey me, you can continue to be my friend. You can continue to follow me. He's a friend that speaks truth even when it may sting. He loves us too much to leave us the same. How many of you have ever had a friend that said the hard thing to you, even if you didn't want to hear it, but it was the right thing? Jesus is truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the good news. Jesus wants to be closer to you and to me. He wants to be closer. But the best friendships develop over time. And we have got to be on a journey of getting to know him. So I ask a question today. Are you okay with having a Facebook friendship? with Jesus, where you just limit how much access he has into your life? Is that the friendship you want with Jesus? Or do you want more? Thanks for listening to Emmanuel Today. You can learn more about Emmanuel and enjoy other messages by checking out emmanuelcc.org. Be sure to tell others about this broadcast that they could enjoy next week at this same time. Emmanuel Sunday services can be seen live every week at 9 and 11 a.m. at emmanuelcc.org.